Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of Generation GC, Seasons, from Good Charlotte, the band's self-titled debut album in 2000. My guest today is Fish from Gone Fishkin on Adobe Radio. Once again, and as always, my name is Molly Huddleston. I am your host. I am also the producer, creator, and editor of Generation GC. Last week, we talked about Leech from Generation RX, and next week, we'll be talking about a song from The Young and the Hopeless. Live on Adobe Radio every Thursday, Gon Fishkin is here to bring you the music you crave. No, the music you need. From his hometown in Long Island to the studio in Los Angeles, Fish is hand-selecting the next big thing from indie to emo. Meaning no matter what kind of tunes you like, Gon Fishkin is sure to have a band you'll love. Whether he's introducing an act that's fresh on the scene or chatting with a band you've loved for years, he'll always find something fun on Gon Fishkin. The show is a party, and you're invited each and every week to see what Fish is up to now. To paraphrase the iconic Viva La Bam, what will Fish do next? Whatever the F he wants. I also wanted to say I love having guests from all over the world and from all different backgrounds on this show. If English isn't your first language, that's okay. As long as you're comfortable holding a conversation in English, you're good to go. On a very serious note, you know, for the past several months, uh, I think it was last June that I began this, um, when the protests were first happening, I've been advocating for Black Lives Matter in every podcast intro, and I'm going to keep doing that. It's important to to keep talking about that. I, I also started a little bit after that, including a mention about anti-Semitism, which I had also noticed was um, sadly uh, on the rise and becoming very common. But I had not previously been including any mention of anti-Asian racism or the anti-Asian hate crimes that have happened in the U.S. over the past year, but that doesn't mean they're not happening. I'm sorry that I wasn't mentioning anything before, you know, but um, the truth is that, unfortunately, I, like a lot of Americans, wasn't aware of just how much had been going on. Um, There was a shooting in Atlanta recently that has been getting a lot of coverage, but, you know, the truth is these incidents have been on the rise for a while now. Uh, According to CBS News, more than 1,800 racist incidents against Asian Americans were reported between March and May of 2020, according to a United Nations report. And Stop AAPI Hate National Report between March 19th, 2020 and February 28th, 2021 received a staggering 3,795 reports of anti-Asian hate incidents. Um, And according to Pew Research, 40% of U.S. adults believe it has become more common for people to express racist views towards Asians since the pandemic began. This is disgusting. It's completely unacceptable. It's not okay. Um, And we need to be talking about this as well. I'm going to point you to antiasianviolenceresources.card.co to learn more. Um, So that's going to go along with Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism cards that you always see in the show notes. And I'm going to keep including this in um, every uh, every intro um, of the show. It's going to give you more statistics uh, and information to educate yourself as well as information on how to be an ally. Um, something that you know came up in a conversation I had with a friend recently is that it, the idea that, oh, well, look at all that, you know, Asian Americans have achieved, or look look at all that 
you know, any, any marginalized group has achieved that look at what they've done for science or technology or for culture, for the arts. Asian Americans or black Americans, Jews, LGBT folks, any, any marginalized group, they don't deserve respect because they've achieved a certain thing. They deserve respect because they are human beings. It's a fantastic thing to highlight the achievement of any marginalized group. And I think we should do that. And I think now is a great time to highlight the achievements of Asians across the U.S., right? But please remember that whether or not the group as a whole has achieved anything, whether or not an individual has achieved anything, has no bearing on whether they deserve respect and equality and equal rights. People in any marginalized group are capable of doing anything that the straight, white, upper-middle-class Christian man is, but they deserve respect and equality and equal rights no matter what they do or don't do. So yes, we should continue celebrating the scientific and technological and cultural and artistic achievements of Asian Americans, but that is not why they deserve respect. They are human beings. And I want you to remember that. On a much more positive note, I wanted to remind everyone that Generation GC is turning one on April 15th. And I'm going to be throwing a birthday party over on Zoom. The link will be in the show notes. It is bit.ly slash GenGC dash party. You can RSVP there. And if you haven't already, please join the Generation GC fam Facebook groups. I'll be posting some updates about the party in there. We'll bake brownies. We'll talk about the book Good Charlotte. I'll be doing a giveaway too. Finally, Generation GC stickers are here. Do you want stickers? There's two things you can do. Number one, you can support the show on Anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash generationgcpodpod and click support. Anything that comes into the show there helps me keep the show going. It helps me get equipment I need. It also helps me print and ship the stickers. So it, it makes a really big difference and I really appreciate it. Number two, you can make a charitable donation. In recent weeks, I had been encouraging folks to donate to No Kid Hungry. Um, and in the spirit of continuing to help feed people that are in need, I, I wanted to this week focus on the Asian American community. Heart of Dinner is an organization that feeds elderly Asians in New York City who are facing food insecurity and isolation. Their website is heartofdinner.org, so I would encourage you to make a donation to them. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a screenshot of your support of the show on Anchor or of your donation to Heart of Dinner, and you're going to send that to me along with your mailing address, and I will send you stickers. Also, make sure you keep up with Generation GC at Generation GC Pod POD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, because you never know. Sometimes I'll be posting on there different ways that you can either help spread the word about the show or make a difference in the world and uh, get some stickers as a result. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Now on to episode 58. So Seasons is track seven on Good Charlotte's 2000 debut album, Good Charlotte. Track six is complicated. Track eight is I Don't Want to Stop. Not a single, so there's no radio play or chart notes. It has been played live. 
Setlist.fm has it ranked number 42, tied with Victims of Love with 16 times. But especially in, like, the early years of the band, like, this song got played a lot between, like, 1999 and 2001. And in those years, like, Setlist.fm definitely is not super accurate. So I imagine it's actually probably a little higher in the rankings. They did apparently play it at some of their 2016 reunion shows and on Warped Rewind at Sea in 2017. Although, I don't know, like it looks in the spring 2016 set list that I saw, it looks like it was in the actual set list, but I've never seen it in like a proper set list. But they do pull this out in like the VIP acoustic sessions quite a bit. I mean, it translates very well to acoustic sessions. The album was produced by Don Gilmore. Y'all know that name by now. But this track was actually mixed by Tom Lordalge at South Beach Studios in Miami. That name may or may not be familiar, but to give you a little rundown, Tom Lordalge began his career at the Hit Factory in New York before becoming the resident mixer at South Beach Studios on the ground floor of the Marlin Hotel. He's won three Grammys, and I promise you, you have heard other records he's done notable one, Blink-182, Enema of the State, and he's also done uh, Avril Lavigne, Sum 41, The Rolling Stones, Pink, I mean, everyone. So many names. His resume goes on forever. The song was written by the Madden Brothers with additional lyrics by Josh Ian. And we've got a lot to talk about with this song and with the lyrics, but Fish, first, I want to help everyone get to know you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. This is so fun. So first question I'd like to ask everyone is, when did you first hear Good Charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them? I was in fifth grade. Um, I forget if it was like the first half of fifth grade or second half of fifth grade, which would essentially be probably around 2002, 2001 to 2002, I think. Okay. And I was watching MTV hits and I saw the anthem and I was like, yo, I want to be like these dudes. They look like they're having so much fun. Like I play baseball, but like this seems a lot more fun than baseball. <laughs> and I, I was the, just, I think the twins played baseball at one point, but not that you yeah, would have. They did from yeah. um, I saw like pictures when I would use it. Mm-hmm. I used to like look up everything good Charlotte related still do from time to time, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I saw their baseball pictures and whatnot. And have you ever seen good Charlotte live? I've seen Good Charlotte live probably 10 to 15 times. Okay. Amazing. I love that. It's a good number. Yeah. So you're from Long Island. Uh, I mean, I you live in LA now, right? Yeah, I live in LA now, but I've been uh, on Long Island back at my mom since mid-November. I was like, there's nothing going on in LA. Sure, I, yeah. I need to be at a house. I can't just sit in my apartment all day anymore. Especially, yeah, with with the holidays and stuff. It's kind of like, I know a lot of people that have done that, just gone kind of back home uh, for, you know, long periods of time for the pandemic. Um, So I I grew up in New Jersey and lived in New Jersey until recently. Um, Went to a bunch of shows on Long Island over the years, and I always just appreciated, like, the scene there, just having such a great community. So were you involved in the local scene growing up? before moving to LA? Yeah, I was pretty involved uh, from, I would say, 16 on. And I still try to be as involved as possible with it just because I grew up in it and a lot of my homies still work in it to, in some capacity. Sure. But when I was like, well, I guess my first show I went to, um, first local show was I was 14 years old and 
I just like found a love for this. And it was like, I didn't yeah. know that. Um, I didn't know there was such a thing as local shows. I thought it was you play Nassau Coliseum or you don't. Right. right. And like my mind was blown by venues, but like Irving Plaza and stuff like that. Right. Cause I thought it was just like, you're either huge or you're not. And I didn't have an understanding yeah. of like the grind <laughs> and everything. No, I get that so much. And I remember like, uh, so I went to college in Ohio and that was like where I started like going to shows all the time. And I would go to like the house of blues in Cleveland, which is like, you know, 1500 people or something. Such a nice venue. Oh, it's great. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is like a small show. Yeah. Cause even at first I hadn't discovered like local, local shows. Yeah. And it was just so weird to me. And I, um, I started going to more and more shows and like a better understanding of things and just meeting people and everything. And then eventually when I was, I think 16 was, or, or yeah, 16 was like the first time I had a band that really wanted to play shows and write originals and everything instead of just playing our talent show at our high school. So uh, we played one, two shows and then I got thrown out. But <laughs> then I, I just uh, kept doing like merch for my homies and stuff and um, would just basically carry their guitars in so Sick. and amps so I could get into shows for free. Yeah, that's a good, and good trade. Just started started meeting people from there, and then I found Adobe when I was like super young too. I was like fourteen years old and was like helping out uh, guns on Adobe for years and years, and still work with him. Like it's been like half my life now, like fourteen I years. And um, and yeah, I just grew up in that scene, and then it expanded to New York City scene. Sure, yeah, and then. Um, I was lucky enough in 2014 to do Warp Tour and then like interviewing um, touring bands and everything. So it really, the Long Island scene definitely set the tone for me and taught me a lot of things I know and uh, grew up in and very grateful to grow up in that scene and just gradually progress um, and meeting more and more people. I love that. And we are going to talk about your show, but I have to ask as we talk about Long Island, what's your favorite Giants at Large song? Ooh, I love that you ask that because I was just texting Builder and Lagatuda the other day, actually. And CJ is a near and dear friend to me still. They were um, their old bassist. Brian was actually on mm-hmm. my second show ever. Oh, wow. And I used to, yeah, I used to play them on my college radio station um, when I was doing that. But uh, I would probably have to say Dead Letter or The American Dream is Dead. Ooh, so good. But I mean, I- like Goodbye LI has a... Um, Special yeah. place in my heart. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, actually, funny story that you mentioned Giants at Large. I did yeah. a Joe Christmas song this year and I like wrote it over Zoom with my homie. And he's like, yeah, just record vocals. I'll mix them and everything. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I hit up Matt and actually went to his studio and <laughs> recorded it back in uh, November. Oh, so good. I love that. Um, I would have to say my favorite would either be Best Is Yet to Come, Oldie But a Goodie, Morning Birds or Dead Letter. They're all so good. Like, what an underrated band. I want to do a Generation Giants at Large show. Ugh, I came out of Mosh Retirement for their final show. Like, put on a knee brace, because uh, I've had a lot of injuries, so I, I can't get hurt. Put on a knee brace, and I was front row at uh, Amityville Music Hall, and it was so good. It was Damn. So good. It was I was so, so bummed. I think I came in to town about a week later oh. uh, for a wedding. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was a very good time. It was a very good time. But I want to talk about your show, Gone Fishkin on Adobe Radio. So you've had this show for how long now? How many years? A little over seven years now. 
surprising. That's great. That's a, that's a pretty long run. And something I've appreciated about your show, like you are really just on the lookout for new artists, but I feel like things maybe have shifted for you over time. So can you talk about just how your tastes and music have shifted over the years? Oh, a hundred percent. Like back in the day, like I would listen to good Charlotte. I would listen yeah. to like newfound glory, some 41 simple plan and all those bands and East coast thing. You could attest to this. You mm-hmm. were a poser no matter what they're yes. like, yeah. there was always a band that was more punk than the band you were listening to. No matter who you listen to, like my screen name growing up was no effects, GC, GD, MXPX 182. And I would still get like called a poser. Name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then like how I was saying, it was like, I didn't know there was such thing as local bands in a local scene. So I didn't know about like demos and stuff like that. I thought demos were just pitched and then like you played a giant show, you were on TRL and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I started discovering more local bands and that whole local scene that I was talking about and like up and coming bands like that were on indie labels and stuff. And then I think it was around 2010 pop punk started changing. Yes. And I have this whole theory that pop punk pop punk got a lot harder and like more story so far yelling or yelling singing type thing it's don't don't destroy me for using yelling singing but mm-hmm. you everyone knows what i mean yes. that's listening right now and um i feel like it was because disney put out like camp rock the jonas brothers and demi lovato and it just sounded like all the pop punk bands we were listening to back then and it, they had to ha- be edgier yes okay okay that's, so, i like that yeah so I just, I went in the Disney direction instead of the pop punk direction in 2010 for sure. And I was all about it. Like all my friends were ripping off the Jonas Brothers anyway, and I was always doing merch for them. So I was really about it. So I didn't really like pop punk for a little bit, um, like the newer ones, but I've come back around and just love those older, like Story So Far, Neck Deep, State Champs records. And um, so like at that time, I went in this really pop direction and started really discovering pop music. And diving into how pop songs are written and everything and watching my friends get into songwriting and just admiring what they did. And then from there, like for whatever reason, it shifted to more indie stuff in New York city. So like it was cool to like the super duper underground indie stuff that you would only hear at like Arlene's grocery or pianos and stuff like that. So I just started to find like band team spirit was fire. This band little bombs. I used to help out, which was Kieran from sing it loud um newer project after sing it loud and started finding songs and music like that like the williamsburg hipster type scene Mm, okay and like i was like man pop punk was a good time like emo was a good time i guess this is growing up i can't just scream like these pop punk lyrics i grew up on anymore i guess i gotta evolve and then like things like emo night came back around or came around and like it kind of had this resurgence of this pop punk and emo that we loved. So it kind of, I feel like it evolved from what it was pre 2010, but not in the way it evolved in 2010. And then like uh, champs, when they came out with elevated, I was like, this is so good. (laughs) Like I love this. And I kind of came back to it, but like I found a lot of hip hop in the meantime, like, Laney, 1975. And then you come to find out bands like Small Pools, bands like 1975. 1975 used to cover Grand Theft Autumn. So we all came from really? the same scene. Yeah. If you look it up online, you can find it. I think it was when they were called Drive Like I Do. They mm, covered okay. it. 
And it was just one of those things where I realized this is a really long-winded answer. And if I was interviewing the person, I'd hate them for this long-winded <laughs> answer. <laughs> but what I realized was the Evo and pop punk I grew up on was basically the root of all the newer hip music yeah. I was listening to. And I just had like a big revelation. I was like, yo, oh. all music is sick. Yeah. And also I love, I love country music too. Like Dan and Shay, so good. Florida Isn't Georgia it like ride. Dan and Shay's touring band, like members of a rocket to the moon or something? Yep. Goes yeah. back to everyone there comes we go. from the emo warp there tour. We go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. So I, I was just really curious in terms of like the construction of your show. Like a, a lot of your episodes have two or even three interviews. So how do you decide like who's going to go together and actually like, like who's going to go first in the episode? Who's going to go second or third? And, and how, how do you decide who to put next to each other? So for a while, I didn't think that really mattered besides obviously putting on the bigger artist are uh, last, right. just kind of at like a headliner type thing. Yeah. So I would like, I would have everyone on, like not really think about who I was having on because back in the day when you first start out on a show, you're not getting a lot of guests. You're not getting a lot of pitches or anything. So it would just be like my friends and then like have my friends in a touring band we looked up to on or something and like kind of mix it up a little bit like that, but never like never to a science like I try to do now. I try to match up two artists that I know it'd be really cool cross promotion for both of them. So both Mm. their fan bases could hear them. And then um, if I do a third interview, typically it's my co-host, but 2020 really wasn't the year to have a co-host in studio with you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would just like have friends on and stuff. And I'm lucky enough that um, I'm able to live in an area where there's a lot of like-minded people. And I just run into people who play music. And a lot of the time, I don't know what they do, to be completely honest. Just <laughs> like, like, oh, we do the same thing, kind of. Yeah, like we'll just be out at a friend's house or a bar or something, just having a drink and just BS, exchange numbers, follow each other, skip over each other's stories and not really pay attention, then hang out again the next weekend and the next weekend and then just have like this, oh crap moment. We're both in the same industry. We both do kind of the same thing. Let's cross promote. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so much fun like that. I love that. And have to discuss this one you had dean butterworth longtime drummer of good charlotte on your show in 2017 so i heard the interview listeners i'll link it but you do have to go to the adobe website to listen it doesn't seem like this one is still available on like spotify or anything but you should listen so i've heard the interview i've heard what you guys said but just what was that experience like for you oh man that's awesome that you were able to find that i think it was before we started podcasting everything yeah, maybe. I think it I think it actually might have been um like I just pulled that interview to post on the site because I was so hyped on it. Yeah. But I forgot how the conversation came about. I think it might have been on Twitter. I just tweeted him um when he was talking about Sugar Ray, I believe, and doing like a 90s tour. And I just wanted to talk to him about it because Dean used to drum in Morrissey. Like he's mm-hmm. a legend. And um so I had him on the show. And the interview went awesome. Such a nice dude. I've met him a handful of times in person. Always just so happy, so welcoming. Great guy. And doing the interview, I was definitely a little nervous because he's the only member of Good Charlotte I've had on my show. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a lot different than like seeing him in person, catching up type thing because it was like, oh my God, everyone's listening right now. This is kind of right. scary. I can't sound like an idiot. <laughs> so I like looked into a lot of things he did. It's definitely the most 
prep I've done for an interview in a minute yeah. at that point. I like, feel I feel you on that so much because I I interviewed Billy Martin uh, when Generation RX came out, and it's like, and I feel like I, I get this vibe from what you're saying too that like okay yeah I know like obviously like I know this person I know their background but like holy shit this is so important I really gotta do like my best like I have to know everything and ask them stuff they haven't been asked before exactly and you don't want to like sound like a super fan even though like we're both in music because we're super fans they're in music because they were super fans like we're all just super fans and that's why we do what we do yes but um did the interview, went awesome, really hyped on it. He posted about it. And I was like shook that he posted about it. I was real hyped. And then I woke up one morning and Good Charlotte actually posted it from the band account. And like, I still I still have that saved on my Instagram that and I go back to. Like I have three pictures saved. It's like that and an insane s'mores recipe and a picture that I happen to be in that was really cool in the background of a really cool thing that happened. So it's just like, man, I'm gonna remember this for life. This was sick. <laughs> I love that. That's incredible. I'm so glad. So just last question before we do our deep dive on seasons. Anyone you haven't had on the show yet that you are dying to? Someone asked me this recently, actually. Really mm-hmm. funny. Um, I would love like someone from Blink to be on the show. <sighs> and I've been fortunate enough to meet uh, Travis once or twice and Mark uh, once or twice and Tom once or twice. And I haven't met Skiba yet, but I think that'd be really cool. But like my favorite bands of all time, besides good Charlotte are like third eye blind 1975 and a couple others. And I realized I'm like, I don't want them on my show. I, I want that barrier between us for life. Yeah. Just so it doesn't ruin the magic. But yeah, I, I mean, that. if they were to offer to come on my show, I would not say, say no. no by <laughs> any means. But also in the same breath, like I've never met them, nor do I'm not seeking out to meet them because yeah. I, I want that wall, that barrier. Yeah, I get, I, I get that. Um, and that's healthy, I think. But um, I would definitely love for a lot of different people to come on the show. So Machine Gun Kelly, if you're listening, we'd love you to come on the show, dude. <laughs> I, I, he's like one of my dream artists for this show too. Um, oh, he would do such a good job. He would, he would. Yeah, he's so sick. Well, let's dive into seasons. So we connected, I think it was last fall on Twitter. Um, and you mentioned seasons as something you wanted to talk about, which I'm super stoked because I feel like a lot of people love this song. So why did you want to talk about seasons in particular? I have a really bad memory, to be honest. You could ask anyone. Like, if I met someone 10 times, sometimes that's just not enough, and I feel so terrible about it. But I have a vivid memory of the first time I heard Seasons, and I was like, I have to talk about this song. Okay. (laughs) I remember um, I was in sixth grade, and I was being Benji for Halloween. Like, I ordered a made sweatshirt, a made shirt, made bandana, made hat and the sweatband and even like went to party city got the fake snake bites and everything oh god yeah and i remember being on yahoo music before uh, before youtube was a thing and i saw little things and i was like wait this isn't on young and the hopeless the only cd good charlotte has ever put Uh out uh and i was like oh wait they have another album i'm like mom we gotta go to fye i need to get an album i can't be a poser like, I need to know everything about this band before I dress as Benji for Halloween. 
So we were waiting for my sister to get out of gymnastics. And I remember seasons came on and my mom, after like I heard the anthem, I was like, mom, I want a guitar for Christmas. Dad, I want a guitar. My mom was always like, you have to learn acoustic guitar too. It sounds so pretty. I'm like, nah, that's lame. I want to be a rock star. And then season starts with that beautiful acoustic guitar. And she's like, see, even good Charlotte plays acoustic guitar. And I was like, you're not allowed to be right, mom. <laughs> I heard that song and it just like resonated with me. And just in sixth grade, just got me all of my feels. And I'm like, I want to fall in love. And I yeah. guess tonight. <laughs> right? Why, why any night besides tonight? Yeah. Exactly. And... So it always just stuck with me and it also just helped me in songwriting too. I'm not a good songwriter by any means, but it helped me understand like the song structure. You could have acoustic guitar, you could have electric guitar, you could have full instrumentation. Like there's no limits on what you could do creatively. Yeah. So I want to talk about what this song means. So what, what is your interpretation of the lyrics here? Ooh, um, the interpretation is that like, it's a very teenage love story. It's like you're passing notes back and forth in school. Like maybe it's not going well, maybe you're trying and you just want to like fall in love with this person. And you've had so many good times as friends, but doesn't seem like the next step is going to happen. I like that. I, I have always interpreted it as like a summer fling, maybe like your summer camp kind of relationship, depending on the age we're talking about, you know, Um, like a fling that didn't last, like you said, that kind of didn't get to that next level, but you just can't forget about it. Like all of these things just remind you and bring you back to that time. And sometimes it is like those short-term situations that you do just kind of remember the most exactly and it's like i love how like it's called seasons obviously and it really does like do that thing i don't know what it's called but like tom petty i always use this example like in free fall on he has like it sounds like he's fallen when he says free fallen like seasons like going through the seasons the way they do i thought was so clever yes yeah, it really is. So let's talk about, I guess, the arrangement of the song. I mean, I I will say, kind of like you, this song made me give a shit about acoustic guitar because this was, like, before I found, like, Dashboard Confessional or anything. And it's like you have that first verse talking about summer air, and it's just this, like, very sweet little acoustic guitar. And then they talk about October air in the second verse. I think it's the second verse that the full band comes in. Yep. With that like really cool palm muted part. Yes. And then it's so good. So do you think this song would have worked if it was entirely acoustic? Oh, a hundred percent. Like there's like, this could be like, do you know how they do like those 16 bit rate samples? It will yes. work as that too. It could be a yes. country song. It could be a hip hop song. It could be a sound okay. song. <laughs> There's, I just did an episode. So this will be live by the time our episode goes live, but I just recorded an episode on stray dogs and we talked about how that also sounds kind of like a country song. And I so desperately want a good Charlotte, like either a country artist to cover some good Charlotte or good Charlotte to do like a full country song. I, I think there's potential. I really do. 
I think Seasons would be a beautiful country ballad. Oh my God, it would be so good. With a little banjo, sing oh, it with some some twang. Yeah. So good. Like I hear it in my head, like the October air with a Southern accent. I'm not going to do it because it would just yeah. sound so bad, but I hear no. it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say like, I think about it conversely though and i don't i mean i think the song would have worked if it was like a great song i think can work in multiple interpretations but i kind of feel like if we had to pick either entirely acoustic or entirely electric full band i i kind of feel like entirely acoustic would have been the stronger uh, oh yeah interpretation I would a hundred percent do it. Uh, um, I would pick acoustic over full band for this song. And the only time yeah. I've seen it live, actually, it was strictly acoustic. Yeah. They don't Benji and Joel. I mean, I know at least like the first couple of records, they were pretty much writing entirely on acoustic. Um, yeah. I think I heard in an interview, like Benji saying how he only knew like three chords and stuff. <laughs> And I was like, man, that's so relatable. I've been playing, I've had a good, I, I won't say playing guitar. I've had a guitar <laughs> right, for right. a very long time. And I don't think I could name more than three chords. So, well, there, there's also the, the famous story. Um, and this was, I found the source of this. It was like a Washington Post uh, article from 2000, like right when the first album came out, where their high school band teacher was talking about uh, Benji and Joel in music class and said that one day they came in and they were like so excited to show their band teacher what they thought was a new chord and they played him a C chord. That's amazing. <laughs> one of the few chords that I also know because I never got pa- very far past like you know Green Day Good Riddance. Uh, I could do Good Riddance and Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Sick. I-, I could do Wonderwall. I could do a very, I don't want to like talk crap about myself, but I could do a very pathetic version of Stairway to Heaven, like reading the tabs, but it definitely did not sound like Stairway to Heaven. Um, And I could do this song. Did you, so did you end up learning to play this song on acoustic guitar? Yeah, just the basic chords. Yeah. And I was so bummed because the first record didn't have a Hal Leonard tab book, yes. <laughs> but the second and third record did and you'll get the hopeless and Chronicles. But uh, funny you say a C, a C chord because seasons actually starts out on a C. Yes. Yeah. And I think it was either like hammer-ons or pull-offs that for this song, I taught myself. Um, oh, I still can't do it. I've been trying for, let's see, got my guitar in 2003. So since then I've been trying to do the hammer-ons and pull-offs of this song. Can't do yeah. it. The rhythm, getting the rhythm is, like, tricky. I also, like, I don't know. I'm a, not to stereotype, but, like, I'm a girl. My hands are not that big or that strong. So, like, acoustic was always kind of tricky for me just in that sense. Um, And I haven't, like, I have my electric and my acoustic, and I have my amp at my apartment. Like, my parents, it was in my parents' basement, and they were, like, okay, like, this amp can't just live here forever. Um, but I haven't, <laughs> I have not touched the guitar in ages, but like, it, I don't know, the past couple of days I keep talking about it and thinking about it. So I don't know, maybe there'll be like an IG live where I um, strum out some GC stuff, but we'll see. Oh, you just gotta, you gotta hop on and just rip the intro to the anthem. It's so satisfying. Yes. yes. 
I know. I think my uh, I think my um, neighbors in my apartment complex will enjoy that. Oh yeah, no way they can't. Yeah, it's a good song. Like you can't get mad. Exactly. So we had mentioned that they pulled this song out at the VIP acoustics, um, and there was also an APTV session where they played this, which was pulled from a meet and greet. Uh, it was a cute little video because like twins talk before and then you see them like actually playing at the meet and greet. And Benji was talking about how it's a really elementary song. Uh, you know, honestly, yes. Like I could play it on guitar, sort of. <laughs> so that says something. <laughs> but that it brings back a lot of good memories for them. Um, and... I really loved in this video, just like I really appreciated the harmonies on the chorus. They're so good. Oh, Benji and Joel's harmonies are by far my favorite to see live and oh, here on recording still. I'm just like, man, you guys are so good at singing and making a catchy song based yeah. on like, I have a feeling it's the twin power. Yes. Yes. I was going to say that. I mean, it, plenty of bands have good harmonies. You know, but I don't know, yeah. something about Benji and Joel, the way their voices just work together, the way they can exactly. kind of go over each other. It's very good. And also, I think it's like so cool how um, back in the day and maybe when shows come back and everything, how Benji would sing entire songs himself. I don't yeah. know if he recorded them um, like that. I'm not 100%. I don't know that for a fact or anything. But like when he would sing, like, I think Day That I Die was one of the songs he yes. would sing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought it was so cool. And Paul and Billy would switch instruments. Yeah. We have, we actually have an episode uh, going out this coming week on the day that I die. And that's something we talk about was like deciphering Benji and Joel's voices on the recording. And like, I feel like definitely their voices, like when Benji sings lead, I think you can tell. Um, yeah. Like the second verse of uh, young and the hopeless. Yes. Oh Yeah great example so distinctive there. well young and the hopeless oh my god not to like just completely go down rabbit holes about other songs but <laughs> young and the hopeless is another great example of harmonies so good like the harmonies on that one it's it's so good they're the two the main the lead and the backing are just very far apart so it's a big range so that works really well uh in terms of backstory for this song so there's a handful of interviews out there around this album and I went back, like, I literally went back to every other, to the notes I did for every other episode on the self-titled. And I, like, I went through every other interview that I found on this, and I Googled, and I Googled, and none of them seemed to really talk about this song. Um, who knows what other interviews there may have been that got lost in, you know, kind of the pre-super uh, internet age. Uh, so we don't really have much backstory about this album. Or about this song, I should say. But, you know, I think we have our... Yeah, we have our interpretations, you know. Oh, I, definitely. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other, like... I mean, you mentioned hearing it for the first time, but were there any other, like, memories or stories you wanted to share about Seasons? Ooh, I've made it my aim away message so many times back <sighs> in the day. I made it in my profile. Probably made it my MySpace song at some point or another. I still jam it all the time. Like, it's... It's a classic song that has really just gotten even better over time. It's 20 years old now. Mm -hmm. Like every time I hear it, I smile the same way I did the first time I heard it. I can imagine. Yeah. It's so good. I, uh, it, the only memory or story I would share, I guess it's just, you know, the, the 
many summer camp crushes that he just kind of never heard from again. And even if nothing even happened, you just like, oh, I always think about, you know, the summer comes and I think about, you know, this person I crushed on at summer camp in 2005. Up until like literally right now, I didn't put seasons and festival song together. And man, it's just reminding me of like summer oh, crushes or at like at festivals. Like tonight, yeah. tonight, it's on tonight. I want to mm-hmm. fall in love tonight. Hmm. Maybe oh. this was about a maybe this was about a festival crush. Oh, I don't know. Okay, okay. I mean, I could especially hear if it was like I mean it timing-wise, I guess this doesn't work out. But if if the timing of the song were different, like maybe the first time they were on Warp Tour, they heard this song. Or maybe the first time they were on Warp Tour, they met someone and then, you know, had a crush, whatever, and it just kind of never developed to anything past the tour. We've all fallen in love with the girl at the rock show before. Yeah. My friend actually met, a friend of mine actually met her husband at a Blink show. Um, and That's awesome. As they, so I went to her wedding, it was 2019, and then as they left and exited the ceremony, they played the rock show that's iconic it was so good it was so good i could imagine like seasons would be played at my wedding like yeah. if it's not the first dance song because i might have to put mariah's always be my baby oh well granted whatever my future wife says because i right. know i'm not my final say <laughs> <laughs> but seasons will be in my top choices of first dance song oh that would be such it'd be such a good first dance song other controller songs this relates to um I mean, if we talk about acoustics, you know, SOS, 1979, I guess California, the way I say I love you, uh, I guess that would be acoustic. Hmm, Maybe emotionless. Would that be considered? That'd be more stripped down, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but that has, that has some acoustic. Yeah. That's a good one. Say anything maybe. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, Other songs about former relationships. I mean, there's a million, but I actually love that you had just mentioned festival song. Because who knows? You know, maybe there's tonight, tonight, it's on tonight. Um, on this record, like change, I don't want to stop, I heard you. Uh yeah, I mean they definitely say anything, of course, on the next record. I think say anything, um, not to sidetrack for the yeah. 80th time this episode. I think say anything might have been a demo for the self-titled, because I have an old version of the song yes. that I got for like mm-hmm. A message board. It's the one that's called Time After Time. Yes, that one. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then also maybe maybe Dance Floor Anthem might be a part two to seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's like the or or even like almost a pro, a, a prologue though, because like Dance Floor Anthem to me, that's like the I got broken up with today and I'm like going out clubbing it tonight to forget about it. Yeah. And seasons is is like looking back. True. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I like this this uh GC conspiracy theory hole we're going yeah. down right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Well let's let's read what some other folks have had to say. So we're gonna read some uh reviews first and talk about them. Oh man. Is there a Yelp page for uh SOGs? I don't know if I don't think there is, but we got some. We did get a couple reviews, but there weren't a whole like a couple of them were like 
retrospective reviews and i really wish i had more like critical reviews from the year 2000 just you know like we were saying oh, with interviews. <laughs> like it's just hard to find some older stuff due to like older stuff not always being on the yeah, internet yeah. and they weren't as big with the first record as they were with every record going forward so sputnik music gave it a 3.5 out of 5 um they call seasons a tearjerker and say that about a minute in the distortion begins and the song drives home once the pace builds up as the line i want to fall in love tonight starts um cryptic rock had a nice 20 year tribute they said good charlotte was a band that would all would always be known for their heartfelt emotions Walter Worldwide and Thank You Mom were just two of many raw offerings. I guess Thank You Mom would also be an acoustic, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. A nice hidden acoustic. Mm-hmm. Although if you go on Spotify, it's its own track. Spotify killed the hidden bonus track. Dude, I know. Like <laughs> Wounded, too, is its own track on Spotify. Yeah, it's like, yo, the kids today will not know the pain of, like, when is this going to start? It's mm-hmm. just silence. It's mm-hmm. still going. And you'd have to kind of, like, memorize what point the song started so you could skip the two minutes of silence. Yeah. Exactly. So, Walter Worldwide and Thank You, Mom were just two of many raw offerings full of longing, such as Complicated, Seasons, Screamer, and Change, which created the core of Good Charlotte. I love that. The core of Good Charlotte. Without self-censoring, the Maddens allowed themselves to explore their relationship with their estranged father, Complicated, the October era that ignites young love, seasons, and change, and what it means to be a dreamer, screamer. Amazing. That's a beautiful um, review. It is. That was a really good one. Like, I'm not in the band, obviously, but made me smile. I'm like, man, I did something good. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, she's not talking about me. Not talking about my music. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to do with this. Chorus.fm also had a nice 20-year shout-out. Um, they said that this was one of their favorite underrated tracks and that the song feels different than most of the other material found on their debut. It's definitely a standout track. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a sweet and nostalgic sort of sentimental track. And I feel like a lot of the rest of the album is either like hurt and rejection kind of or very optimistic. So the the emotion of this song, I think, stands out. Although, you know, I guess Thank You, Mom is also pretty uh, sentimental and nostalgic. Oh, definitely. Such a good song. And then also, um, Motivation Proclamation could kind of be acoustic-y, maybe? I feel like they've played it acoustic. Oh, 100%. But it starts out with like the clean, dirty guitar with the same, very similar chords and everything. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I want to read some YouTube comments. So, YouTube comments on the like a f- song upload on the band's account were turned off, but there were a couple YouTube comments on like a fan made lyric video. Um, Fritz Diamond said, I recently listened to Good Charlotte as an adult and I heard nothing pleasant on their second album, but this album, this one withstands the test of time. So I do want to read some song meanings comments. This one was really good because there's a lot of people just talking about their relationships. Um, 
I won't read all of the ones that I have here because I have a lot, but um, these are these are 20 years ago, so I feel okay, you know, reading other people's stories about their breakups that they put on the internet. Yeah, like um, they've reached that point where they could talk about it. Right. Like the statute of limitations does not exist right. on personal right. relationships. Right. Well, and you know, you put it on the internet. So. Exactly. So Burns says... A great line in this song reminds me of my boyfriend, Tim. We got together at the end of October. October air reminds me of all the seasons of your love. Aw. Cute. Nikki said, why don't bands like this get airplay? They kick booty. Well, Nikki, they did get airplay. <laughs> they did get airplay. So. Still continue to get airplay too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Peachy Dolly 182 said, I love this song. It's so sad. Yay for emo. Glenn's Army Chick said, GC is not really emo, but every song they write is based on experiences. It's so cute. And they should get more airplay. They're much better than bands like End Suck. Man, that kind of just reminded me of the people who don't like avocados but love guacamole. I don't like avocados or guacamole. Um, but yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I'm like, like the only vegan that doesn't like avocados. Ooh. Yeah. I did once in LA at Native Foods, they had like an avocado chocolate mousse. Ooh, that stuff is so good. Yeah, it was very good. It was excellent. Nimbus the kitten. This, <laughs> this one is good. This one's really good. This is really, really good. Nimbus the Kitten says, this is my favorite GC song. Me and my ex sung it together at the Uniting the States tour when they came here. I didn't know I'd be singing it for a different reason the next day when she dumped me. The song's about breaking up, but not being able to get over the fact that you aren't with them anymore. It's a song about tortured love. I want to bring that up. (laughs) Um, Because there's a video... Benji has two different colors in his hair. He has like half pink or half red and half black. Oh, yeah. And he just goes, this is a song about tortured love. And then they go oh into God. it, just acoustic Benji and Joel. I watched it this morning while I was eating breakfast, actually. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, Punk Angel 401 said, this song reminds me of my ex. We started going out in October and he would play this song for me and change the lyrics a little bit so that they match us perfectly. Too bad we broke up right before the summer, so I can't relate to Summer Air, only the October Air. Still a good song, though. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of bummed song meanings doesn't get much activity anymore just because there's so many gems like this. Um, oh, I'm always looking up old songs when I hear them. Because yeah. when, when you hear a song at... 10 to 18 years old or whatever um, developmental stages you hear a song in or even as a kid, it has a completely different meaning when you're grown up. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it was weird for me when I went from like hearing this record the first time I was probably 12. Cause like you, I bought the young and the hopeless first. And then many months later I discovered they had a different CD Yep. Um, to hearing this record at the age they were when they put out the record and now being even several years older than they were when they wrote and released this record. 
yeah it's it's really interesting listening to albums um going back to them like i i don't go up back to the self-titled as much as i probably should i definitely always jam it but uh young and the hopeless in particular since it was the first album that i heard from good charlotte and the reason i got into music anytime anything good happens literally ever and i have to like drive to a set drive to like a big meeting or something like that or just sitting in my apartment after a good day i always throw on young and the hopeless from front to back and just like celebrate a good day yeah it's such a it's a it's a great album and i love that you it I think that shows the power of like the associations we have with music because frankly, the young and the hopeless is not like a happy album. Um, overall. Yeah, not at all. But yeah, it has like the, the memories I think are powerful. Exactly. And I think I relate to it a lot. Like I had a great relationship with my dad and everything, but he had a really bad relationship with his dad. Mm. So we bonded a lot over good Charlotte because like, especially like little things when they call their dad a dick, um, <laughs> he'd always scream that part while driving me to school and stuff. And he always That's just, so good. he always just loved good Charlotte because of like that relatable yeah. fact, which was really cool. That That's so great. And I, you know, I had my dad on the show last summer, um, which was very, very fun. Uh, and I love that you were able to bond with your dad over them. Oh yeah. Like he took me to uh, tower records in New York city for the Chronicles oh, release. Yeah. And like, if you watch the DVD and like freeze it and like zoom in at one point or another, you could see us in the crowd. <laughs> oh man. Well, I actually just got to talking on Twitter about, um, I got to do a bonus episode sometime soon on, I don't know, one of the DVDs. They've had a few DVDs out there. So. Oh man. That first DVD, um, uh, quick story. I watched it every night literally all night for a year straight because uh, we were doing work on my house and we moved into my great grandma's house and she had passed like a year before we hadn't sold it yet. Mm-hmm. And I was convinced my room was haunted and I was scared oh, no. to sleep without like the TV on and there was no cable in my room. All I had was a PS2 and that DVD. So it would I just play this. on loop all the time. So I, <laughs> it was so good. Like I could probably reenact the whole, ru- well, not a routine. I could reenact the whole live set as a routine, a dance routine at this so point. Good. So good. I love that. Uh, we're going to read a couple of comments from Rate Your Music. Uh, Violet Moth said 3.5 out of 5, cute but pretty generic. I mean, fair, you know, yeah. But, that's going to be my Tinder bio, cute right? but generic. Right, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I think it's the outfield that's my Tinder, Tinder anthem right now. Um, oh, that's hysterical. Right. You know, you gotta have, it's gotta be a good Charlotte song because that, you know, shows people what they're dealing with. Um, Daytona Splendor gave it one out of five, and this is very good. I gave this one star simply on the basis of my having used the song Seasons to get girls in high school. For any other purpose, this shit is useless. Man, you just don't want to get in your feels by yourself? Right? I mean, I'll be honest, like, if when I was in high school, if the guy I was crushing on played this song to like try to get me, it would have worked. Totally would have worked. Uh, oh man. I don't think I ever used a good Charlotte song to impress a girl funny enough. Cause they mm-hmm. were, I guess I just got called a poser too much in high school right. to even try, <laughs> but like there were definitely other songs never worked. Literally yeah. never worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once I wrote never worked. I was very lonely in high school when I started playing music. <laughs> Yeah, big big mood, big mood. I was like, man, I got my good Charlotte CDs. I don't need anything else. Yeah, right. Uh, 
I would just love to hear, Fish, how has Seasons held up for you over time? It's held up in the so many different ways. And I would say held up is an understatement. It's honestly just gotten better, like a fine wine over the years for me. Like yeah. there's so many digestible things in it that you could look at everything from the production, writing with Don Gilmore. And I just found this out a few days ago. Don Gilmore actually worked on Eve Six's records back in the day mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Eve Six was tweeting about the good Charlotte guys. <laughs> I love his bits. They're so good. Um, and I didn't realize I shared a producer on that. And yeah. Um, I'm not sure which Eve six records it was he worked on, but it does remind me of like huge, like back in the day, big team uh, love songs, like here's to the night and stuff. And and also I think just seasons kind of set the tone for them having that softer side, maybe where they're like the heart throbs. I could be completely making that up. No, I, um, I, I get that. I like that. And I might, it might have like kind of helped them get more into pop culture hearing a song like Seasons because they were in so many movies. They were the band and not another teen movie and stuff. Yeah. Like it was cool. And I feel like Seasons might have opened the door for that. And still to this day, lyrically, it's so good. Like they were probably they were probably teenagers when they wrote that. Yeah, I mean, so they the album came out in two thousand. So the twins would have been twenty one. Uh because it was September 2000, so they would have been 21 that March. I mean, Billy was fresh out of high school when the album came out, um, and he's talked about, like, you know, having to sign out of school to, like, go do stuff for the band and all, which I thought was so very sick. cute. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so they, they probably were 19, 20 or so when they first wrote the song, because they always say, I mean, definitely they were actually, no, we have record of them playing it in 99, so. Wait, is it is it that video where it's, like, super sapia looking like that brownish tint i know exactly the video you're talking about yeah i don't <laughs> it, it might be um but i know i know exactly the video you're talking about <laughs> yeah like um i think uh joel has a sick boy shirt on or something yeah yeah so good i was i had a aim screen name because benji was kid vicious and joel was sick boy so i was vicious sick chick Oh, that's so sad. On AIM, yeah, I thought that was really clever. Um, I was also X emo X in X Jersey X, which was also very good. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Something that I would just say looking at this song, like looking back over time is, you know, yes, you could say it's generic, but it's hard to write something that's like simple and holds up. Oh, yeah. What I've learned over the years is the term keep it stupid simple. Yeah. Or keep it simple, stupid. What did I do? Still for the record, it's before noon here on the East Coast while, yeah. we're, <laughs> while we're recording it on the on the weekend. So my brain doesn't like wake up till Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um it's so simplistic and there's nothing generic about it. Like if it was generic, it would have been a song they ripped off. Or I've never heard a song similar to it. Even to yeah. this day, I haven't heard anyone ripping it off blatantly and I don't think it's a blatant like drew or inspiration from because all the interviews they're talking about how like they love beastie boys rancid and all those bands exactly. those bands had a song like seasons and and frankly i don't even like i wouldn't say there's any good charlotte songs that sound like the beastie boys or like rancid yeah exactly and it's it's cool that they took their inspiration and the bands they looked up to and they came out with a song like seasons yeah very fun well, a couple questions to wrap up. 
What has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? Man, I could go on for probably three hours about this. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> they, were the, they were the reason I got into music, obviously. Um, as I said, when I heard the anthem and then getting to see them play live and then seeing them on the VMAs was so inspiring because there's no other bands like even to this day that really have played the VMAs in the way Good Charlotte did, I feel like. They were like the punk kids and the anthem was huge. They played it. Joel did the beatboxing and everything. Yes. And like even back in the day on Yahoo Music, I would just freeze it and the quality was so bad, but somehow I was able to see the stickers on Benji's guitar and I would look up no effects. I would look up mm-hmm. MXPX. Like I found messed from that. And then I saw Benji's feature on Jaded. And like just throughout the years, I've mentioned this a few times, the word poser. But like getting called a poser and realizing it's because people are like, okay, it's because you don't like this band. You don't like that band. Like there's harder bands, blah, 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 blah. But Benji and Joel through watching interviews and just uh, the band in general, like even Billy's inspiration from um, Tim Burton inspired things. Oh, yeah. The predictable video got me into um, like Tim Burton style of art. And then like Benji and Joel always talking about like hip hop, like them with the game and stuff like them doing stuff with Pharrell, Tommy Lee, and just being so spread across the board where there was no barrier. Like it felt like they, they would do anything they believed in, which was so cool. And that's what opened my eyes to a lot of different styles of music and realizing I don't have to just listen to one band to not be a poser. Like I could listen to an eclectic, mix of things and then like seeing them dj back in the day that like made me think djing is cool and i could still get to do that which is awesome um seeing them with made clothing i tried and dcma clothing i tried to start a clothing line when i was 16 called fish factor like it failed miserably but (laughs) still tried yeah just like how um how rooted they were for the culture and it just from the outside always seemed like they were doing it for the culture and to continue something on which they've done has been just so inspiring and just listening to him talk and being lucky enough to talk to Benji, Joel and Josh and Josh is just a huge inspiration for me. Like I love that dude more than anything. He's done so much for me throughout the years and Sarah's fucking awesome too. Like Sarah, Sarah and I are always going back and forth with music stuff and just talking about good music and just seeing like how it's so family oriented and even MDDN, how everything's run their bands how their bands are like all their bands i feel like are a direct um kind of a representation of benji and joel in a way yeah and just seeing the way how like in fashion pop culture the way they talk is just so inspiring to see how they've helped shape all these young artists and their careers and it's inspired me to and keeps inspiring me to stay in music and keep reaching for the stars because they've proved that like the sky's the limit. You could start from literally nothing and go all the way into something. And another thing I would be just so forever grateful and forever indebted um, with good Charlotte is after my dad passed in 2015, I believe it was 2016 or 17. I forget when the the exact year, but we were doing a fundraiser in um, his name and I mentioned to Josh, I was like, hey, dude, like we're doing this fundraiser in my dad's name. Um, I see um, Good Charlotte's playing in the city. Would we be able to get a guitar sign to put up for auction to give to charity? He's like, yo, 
let's make this happen. And, and Abby was on the road with them and was, um, so nice. And I remember I landed that day they were playing Best Buy theater and, um, Abby came out and grabbed me and gave me a pass. And to this day, I still have the pass. It's like a good Charlotte VIP laminate. And, um, I went up and they all signed the guitar and like Joel introduced me to everyone. And it was just like the coolest experience and one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. And it just has such sentimental value because I yeah. bonded so much with my dad over Good Charlotte. That's and so they were incredible. so nice to do that. Like talk to me. Like they had so many other cool things they could be doing. They're in New York City. Like yeah. they took like they took like 10 minutes to like talk to me at the end of the meet and greet and everything. And it was just, man, I'm like, just Wait, like so this up was, and blushing talking. This about was it. Best Buy Theater November 2016. Uh, yes. I was, was at that show and I was at that meet and greet. Oh, no way. That's so funny. Yeah. I think I'm, oh my God. I'm wearing a Giants at Large shirt in the picture for, I think, it's either a Giants at Large or Tennis System shirt. One of the two. So but I think it's a Giants at Large shirt. But I'm it wearing, also might be a Tennis System shirt. I'm wearing a Major League sweatshirt in my picture with them. Oh man, shout out Brian Joyce, Valister. Shout out Brian Joyce. I love that boy so much. That's such a great story. And I, I think that just shows like beyond, you know, the artistic and business stuff they do, that they are really just glad to give back. Yeah, um, it's just such a cool thing. And it just has taught me like like obviously Warp Tour has a documentary, um, No Room for Rock Stars. Yeah. But like there's truly is like the most rock star thing you could do isn't what you saw in almost famous. The most rock star thing you can do is just be a, I have a, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm more of a get him to the Greek kind of guy. Oh, that was so good. Oh, good. But it like just showed like the most rock star thing you could do is be humble and be like one of the nicest people or some of the nicest people in the world and just give back and do it for the culture, not for anything else. Yeah. I, I I just want to, real quick talk about that word because this is like this like almost has to be its own episode um but i i I like that you mentioned the word poser because like i got called a poser for liking them all the time too and without going into the whole rabbit hole like it was always kind of funny to me because they were always so authentic yep so like yeah okay maybe they weren't punk enough but like they were just so like unabashedly themselves. So like what's poser about that? Exactly. And like just a lot of things just coming off the top of my head. It's like talking about how the people on the varsity football team didn't like you because you were in music. Like it's all mm-hmm. relatable stuff in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And then um the click, that's like the hardest lyric ever. It's like, um, I'll go out and hang with GC or Yes. Like the people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. So come and talk to me on my computer screen. The vestiges of our lives aren't as easy as they seem. As they seem, but one day. Oh no, the the line with GC. I think that's the first verse. It might be, but there's also another line about used to call us name. Now they want to. Yes, our they used to call us name. Best line ever. So like, good. That is the hardest, dopest line on a debut album I have ever heard to this day. <laughs> Like, I've heard so many albums, right? nothing compares to how good well, and powerful that is. <laughs> it's literally, and you talked about, you know, their inspiration of hip-hop, and it's like a hip-hop mentality. Like, we, my my day job is video promo, and, like, we've had a handful of, like, up-and-coming rappers, and 
you know what rappers are doing like indie rappers you know what they're doing on their first singles they're sampling good charlotte (laughs) well that but i was also gonna say like they're talking about how they're hustling how they're gonna be big and famous one day yeah exactly it's so cool yeah and good charlotte's doing that in punk well fish do you have any last words about seasons about good charlotte about gone fishkin or about yourself um everyone just keep listening to good charlotte if you could get the self-titled on vinyl 10 out of 10 recommend listening to that like that like just a night in your apartment you just want to chill out have the click i don't know i would have to look Okay. I actually bought the vinyl at Webster Hall, the studio at Webster Same. Hall. It was for um, an indie film, Bridge and Tunnels release show. And um, the one who, the company that pressed the vinyl also pressed a good Charlotte vinyl and they had it there. And I was like, Same. you know, I need this. I definitely copped it. Um, but yeah, just keep listening to good Charlotte. And I would say they're the prime example of the band you need to listen to and look up as well, because what they've done for the culture of music and everything they're continuing to do for the culture of music Let's even like even Veeps, like how yeah. incredible is uh what Sherry, Benji, and Joel are doing with Veeps to help all these artists in this like really, really shitty time for live music. Yeah, like, and they've got like isn't like Liam Payne doing stuff with Veeps, like so cool. Yeah. And like just look into how they do things because it's very inspiring and it's more than just the music it's just all around everything they've done has been incredible and i just want to thank you so much for having me and listening to me kind of ramble i feel like i was the rambler (laughs) that's that's what i love about this show though and i think that's to me that's what like it testifies to the power of good charlotte that it can like lead people into all sorts of conversations oh yeah and also for everyone out there who might not um come on the show i need to say this about molly she really put my show to shame. She sent me this incredible prep work, like with links, <laughs> citing you. things, like research on me. And I was like, wait, have I been like not doing something I've been supposed to do? I just send someone a phone number and tell them a time to call in. <laughs> Thank you. I am. I've had a couple people compliment it. Jesse Cannon was like so thrilled. Um, Elijah oh, Witt dude, from Cane Hill. I haven't Hill. talked to Jesse in forever. I got to reach out to Jesse. Jesse is Jesse's great and he and my boss are like longtime friends. Um so that was that was a very fun connection. Well, thank and thank you. I'm I'm so glad you appreciate the notes. Oh, it was incredible. Like I talked to a few friends beforehand. I was like, guys, I'm a little nervous doing <laughs> this. Like I don't I don't really get interviewed too often and I don't want to sound like sure. an idiot talking about my favorite band and the band that <laughs> paved the way for all the bands that come on my show. Uh, and I was like I was like hitting up friends who are also good Charlotte super fads as well. And I was like, yo, do you know any interesting facts about seasons? I'm about to do generation GC. Molly sent me all these notes, but I need to pull something cool. They're like, nah, she really hit the nail on the head with literally anything and everything we know. (laughs) It, I, I I feel like, you know, cause some people have said like, Oh, I'd love to come on, but I'm, I'm just like nervous. And I feel like for me anyway, like having that laid out, um, especially for something that's like as niche and as detailed as this, having it laid out, I think kind of can help with nerves. Oh yeah. Not only that guys, she has a Google doc with everything and it's sorted by chapters in the left-hand side, which is so impressive. It Mm -hmm. just made like (laughs) 
made my life so easy and yes. definitely a lot less nervy going into it. Good. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, before we head out, Fish, I do a Generation GC and Friends Spotify playlist. Hell so yeah. I'm going to put seasons on there. I'm going to put, that. I think I'll do Giants at Large Dead Letter because that's one we Please both agreed do. on. And then I would just love to get a recommendation from you of something you're enjoying lately. Anything that's not Good Charlotte or or Giants at Large since we, we are <laughs> including them. Oh, man. Um, there's so much good music coming out right yes. now. And it's one of those things, it's 2021 and this comes out in a month from when we're taping it. I don't know where music's going to go in that month because it just keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. But um, ooh, I, I'll let you pick from either the band Camino. Ooh. I love that band so much. The Dangerous Summer. Actually, let's go with Dangerous Summer. They're from the Maryland, Vir- Virginia area too. Great pick. And okay. they just dropped an EP on their own. Um, they started a label called Molly Water Music. And it's just very admirable how um, they've been signed since high school. And this is the first time they're unsigned. And they dropped what's their biggest single to date. Really? Um, yeah, independently. Their song, Fuck Them All. Huh. So let, let's stay in the Maryland, Virginia area. Yeah, I love and that. And then also, I would say all time low, but let's say let's just say everyone who's anyone at this point has heard Monsters and yes. it is so well deserved. What a great song. Congratulations to them it's, on that. I could like go on for ages and, and this is like this could be like a front page magazine article, but how cool it is that this many years and this many albums into their career, they have their first number one hit. It's so good. Congratulations so, to them. Wake yeah, up sunshine. Congrats to them. By far, um, one of my favorite records. Alex Gaskarth, Jack Barricat, Ryan Dawson, Zach Merrick. Open invitation if y'all want to come on the show because I know you guys love Good Charlotte too. Do it. Well, Fish, thank you so much. Where can people keep up with you on the internet? And um, tell, them, so, tell them when your show is live, please. So I'm live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on adobe.com. Then you keep up with me on Instagram, instagram.com backslash Mike Fishkin, Twitter, twitter.com backslash Gone Fishkin. I do a Spotify playlist as well. Just look up Gone Fishkin. Um, Perfect. Do Clubhouse now. I don't know if that's something you're supposed to promote or if it's going to be a thing when this even comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It means the world that um, you took so the fun. time to speak with me. This was so fun. Fish, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. This has been episode 58 of Generation GC Seasons. Last week, we talked about Leech from Generation RX. Next week, we'll be talking about a song from The Young and the Hopeless. My name is Molly Huddleston. I am your host. You can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow me, Molly, at M Huddleston, M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review, and tell all your friends.